Hi, uh, I'm Sam Evans, the your ear training coach. Yeah, that's right. I'm Sam Evans, your ear training coach, and this is the Ear Training Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Here's a little something. You know, I've realized that I've accidentally created a theme for this podcast. So most of you know that I improvise the theme every day on the keyboard. So I figured it was part of the, you know, it kind of fit the theme well. But this just happened to keep coming off my fingers every single time. And it's different every time, but I somehow end up using this. So I've sort of uh, arrived at this as the podcast theme without realizing it. So, re, re, mi, so, do, re, mi, re. The chords go from one to a flat seven. That's really all I have, and then I just usually embellish on that. This right here. That note. Da, la, so, fa, mi. So, normally, la, it, do, it doesn't sound as crunchy as it does in you know, a major scale. It's just la, you know. Uh, but when we're playing a la over the flat 7 major chord, it's a lot crunchier because we've got te, re, so, sorry, te, re, fa, la. La serves as the major 7 in that chord here. Uh, so it makes it a lot juicier, I think. Anyways, that's not actually the topic for today, but I thought I'd uh, fill you in on that kind of a... That I, I've been noticing that for the last couple of weeks and been kind of trying to develop it more. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll keep changing. So anyways, thanks for listening again. Uh, if you're uh, interested in supporting the podcast, uh, please go to theeartrainingpodcast.com. There's a there's a big old button that says support us now, and it'll take you to our Patreon page. Um, and we appreciate it. Every dollar counts. Um, we appreciate those of you who've already, uh, who have already done it. Uh, it's making a difference. So thank you. Uh, and, um, let's see, as we keep going here, what I'm looking at is I, I've, I've been planning out a course and I'm realizing that there's one thing that I haven't talked a lot about on this podcast, largely because, uh, we usually think of it in another way, but I do think it's worth addressing and I think that can be really valuable and helpful for some people. So this concept is intervals. So normally when I'm talking about a melody on this podcast, uh, I'm thinking in terms of solfege, right? So, and that involves that there's a do. It's like, okay, so if we establish this is do, then this is la, so, fa. But if this is do, then this is so, fa, me. And if this is do, then this is, uh, fi, me, ra. Yeah, you know, it's just, a. Everything's based on where Do is. But uh, intervals just tell you the actual distance between two notes. That's all an interval is. Uh, so today I'm just going to teach. Um, I'm just going to introduce all, 
11, I want to say. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 within an octave, obviously you can go higher than that. I'm going to introduce what each of these 11 intervals are today and talk about how I use them. And then we'll start doing some ear training based on intervals in addition to just on solfege. Okay, so an interval measures the distance between two notes. So there's no presupposition of do or key or anything else. Uh, so, for example, this could be do and it has nothing to do with the distance between these two notes here. Uh, so let's get crap, but I'm going to teach it in terms, in relation to do, which is going to sound confusing. Uh, but the reason I'm doing it is because that is, that's what the intervals are named after. So let me give you an example. Here's do. If you go a major second away. It's called a major second. So do, re is a major second, right? Do, mi is a major third. Do, la and do, ti are a major sixth and major seventh. So two, three, six, seven, or re, mi, la, ti are all named after just the major scale, right? Just in the relation to what would this be if one of those notes was do. Uh, but the pure distance there is is a different kind of thing. So uh, between do and re is a major second, or sometimes we say whole step. It's really just two half steps, right? And this is obviously used melodically all the time. Uh, you know, that's pretty natural. You can go the other way. And you can hear it all over, all over the place. All of these are whole steps or major seconds. And the major third is similar. And you can hear that all over the place. This is used harmonically a ton. Playing them together usually defines a pretty traditional harmony in our Western music. Those are all major thirds. Uh, major sixth. This one's harder to identify initially. Mm -hmm. I usually think of... Uh -huh. uh, let's see, there's some other good ones. So this... Uh -huh. It kind of sounds like you're leaping out into something really beautiful, right? Uh -huh. That's a major sixth, and we can obviously hear those everywhere as well. So this, in this case, doesn't have to be do or la, right? Uh, this could easily be mi, so, or it could be uh, ti, re, uh, or it could be really any other combination, as long as the two notes are a major sixth apart. Major seventh is not one that you hear harmonically alone. If you have notes in between, it's nice and pretty. But just alone, it's a little nasty, but it is used melodically. Right, that's kind of nice. Do, ti is a major seventh. Uh, going from do to fa is a major fourth. Or sorry, 
major fourth. That is not correct. It is a perfect fourth. And then going to so is a perfect fifth. Uh, so the reasons we refer to it like this, okay, so I'm not going to get into the history of harmony and stuff, and there's there, there are more complicated elements going on, but in terms of the way the modern musician views these things, uh, we name the second, third, sixth, and seventh after major uh, because there's a minor counterpart to each one of these. But for four and five... There really isn't a minor counterpart. In minor and major, the fourth and the fifth is really important, you know? So, for example, you could have this, which is a perfect fifth, and I could just as easily put a major third in there as a minor third. Uh, so there, there really is no distinction between major and minor when it comes to these two perfect intervals. Uh, actually, there's a third inter perfect interval that is the octave. There's the same note on the bottom and the top. So yeah, the do fa or do so are perfect fourth and perfect fifth. Uh, now let's get into some minors and chromatics, right? So obviously there's a minor counterpart to each of these major. So instead of a mi major second, there's a minor second, which is simply a half step. The two closest notes you can find right next to each other. A major third, oh, sorry, a minor third very similar to a major third. It functions well harmonically. These are all minor thirds here. Uh, there's a minor third found often in, uh, like, if you've ever heard, like, a children's tune, like, go. That's a minor third right there. Uh, and then minor sixth. Now that one can sound tricky to some. It sounds to me like a resolution. Right? Even if we're using it somewhere else. So that right there is a minor six. This is something you can practice. Uh, I can uh, work on some materials for you to practice with them if you'd like them. The distance between Do and Le is the minor sixth. Uh, you can also find it between Mi and So, or sorry, Mi and Do, uh, as well as between La and Fa, and Ti and So. Okay, and then there's the minor seventh, which actually sounds nicer than the major seventh, I think, in terms of just being a melody. Also, it sounds kind of hollow, but if you put notes in between, it can sound pretty rich. The only one I've missed is the tritone. So the tritone goes in between fa and so, or between the perfect fourth and the perfect fifth. Historically, the tritone was considered to be the devil's interval. That's at least... I. I mean, I haven't, you know, looked at the original sources, but that's at least the story everyone tells about the tritone, is it was the devil's, uh, the devil's interval. Uh, so it wasn't used traditionally in the really, really old music. Uh, it started getting popular around, I think, Bach's time? 
I'm oh, this is where I'm going to get shaky here. But uh, there came a point where people said, actually, the tritone sounds really good sometimes. For example, this may sound nasty to you, but I bet this sounds really good. We use the tritone to have tension right before a release all the time. That doesn't even sound dissonant to us anymore. We just like, oh, yeah, I'm resolving, you know. Um, so holding a tritone is one thing where there's this kind of like rub there. It's like right between the perfect fourth and the perfect fifth. Um, but uh, we use it all the time. The fun fact, the tritone can resolve by doing one of two things. You either resolve it by taking both of them a half step closer to each other, or you resolve it by taking them a half step farther away from each other. Fun fact there. Uh, the tritone is most commonly found in dominant seven chords. So if you have do, mi, so, te, between mi and te, is going to be your tritone. Okay, so uh, today wasn't much practice. It was mostly lecture, but I hope you enjoyed. And uh, please uh, remember to support me on Patreon. And contact me at sam at eartrainingpodcast.com if you have any questions or comments. Thanks for listening. <laughs>